You're listening to the Benton Heights Presbyterian Church Podcast. We hope this message brings you encouragement and helps to build your faith in Jesus. We're glad you're here to listen to this message from Pastor Paul. We are spending the better part of this year going through the Gospel of John. And the storyline of John is this, that we're looking at Jesus from eternity past because he is eternal God. So the first half, the gospel of John is, covers the area or the, the realm of eternity past to Jesus's public ministry. And the second half of the gospel of John, where we find ourselves today is on the final days of Jesus's life on earth. So it's like everything just kind of slows down. It's before he goes to the cross to die in our place for our sins. And it just goes to show that every day of our life is important, but there are some days that are incredibly important, and that is where Jesus finds himself. And what we hear Jesus talking about today with his final breaths is that he has eternity on the horizon. So he's going to talk a lot about eternity and and heaven. He's going to talk a lot this week about God the Father and next week about God the Holy Spirit. So those are Jesus' priorities. He wants us to focus on our relationship with God the Father and then on God the Spirit whom Jesus provides. This is how John chapter 14 opens. Jesus says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. How many of you are burdened today? You're troubled, fearful, frustrated, anxious. You know, sometimes as Christians, we get the sense that if you're burdened, if you're emotional, then that's a bad thing, as if you you lacked faith or you didn't trust God enough. Well, previous to this, in John chapter 13, in verse 21, it was said of the Lord Jesus that he was troubled in spirit. So Jesus was troubled. Jesus never sinned, but he was troubled. He was burdened. And then he will go on to tell us when we get to chapter 16, verse 33, that in this world you will have trouble. Right here in chapter 14, he says, when trouble comes... Don't let it remain in you. Let me say it another word, another way. Trouble, burden will come on you, but you can't let it in you because once it gets in you, it will begin to destroy you. Jesus in chapter 13 was troubled. He was burdened. And you're going to read in a little bit that what he did with that burden, he took it to God our Father in a place called Gethsemane. It was there in prayer in a very emotional moment that he took that that was burdening him and he brought it to the Father. And so you and I need to acknowledge and accept that there are times when we, just like Jesus, have troubled hearts that we're burdened, bothered, frustrated, scared. And when those moments come, we can either wear it on us and it get in us or we can transfer it into the hand of the Lord and let him help us carry it. Jesus goes on to say, you believe in God, 
believe also in me. Well, see, some people would say, well, I believe in God, I just don't believe in Jesus. Well, Jesus would come back and say, well, we're a package deal. We're like buy one, get one free. He continues, my father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back, take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Jesus here is ultimately talking about the kingdom of God, heaven. So, Let's do this. When you think of heaven, what are some of the bad, false conceptions that are prevalent in our culture about heaven? You can help me on this. So a misconception is that when we are in heaven, we will be able to fly around because we'll have what? Wings. Wings. Okay. What instrument will we be playing? A harp. What will we be sitting on? Clouds. Clouds. (laughs) What will we be wearing? A diaper. It's bad. (laughs) Those are misconceptions. I want you to hear that. Those are misconceptions. What Jesus is explaining to us about heaven is because he knows about heaven. He's the only one that has come from heaven. So when he tells us that the kingdom of God, the Father's house, is like family... So he says that God is a father. Heaven is the father's house. We'll be there with our brothers and sisters who belong to Jesus and we'll be there forever rejoicing. That's the picture that our Lord Jesus gives. What he's saying is, I have come down from heaven. I have come to save you, to love you, to forgive you. I am going to the cross to die in your place for your sins, and then I'm going to rise to conquer sin and death, and then I'm going into the heavenly kingdom and ready a place to welcome you. Well, then the question that gets asked is, how will we get there? Thomas said to him, one of the 12 disciples, Lord, we do not know where you're going. Now, here's a miracle. A man was asking for directions. So how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I in the way and the truth and the life. This is singular and exclusive. Jesus alone is the way and the truth and the life. Thomas Akempis, a 15th century Christian leader, said, Without the way, there is no going. Without the truth, there is no knowing. Without the life, there is no living. The way. What Jesus is talking about here is that life on earth is kind of like a cul-de-sac. So one generation drives around a while and then they don't get anywhere, they die. The next generation comes, they drive around for a while, they die. It's like no one can figure this out. Jesus says, there is a way out. There is a way forward. I am the way. Now the truth, we live in a world that doesn't believe in the truth. And when an event happens, it's hard to determine what's fact from what's fiction because there's so much spin, you just don't know. 
Jesus says, I am the truth. That means the truth is personal. It's relational. And then he says, I am the life, meaning that there is no life apart from Jesus. So when it comes to the issue of Jesus being the way, what Jesus is saying is there are incredibly important implications as to what religion or spirituality or God you choose. So some people will say, well, there are many ways. No, there's not. Jesus is the only way. And some people get frustrated with this because it makes him exclusive. But I want you to also see that Jesus is inclusive. That there are many ways to Jesus, but Jesus is the only way to eternal life. So you can come to Jesus through a sermon. I think it's been done before. You can come to Jesus by reading the Bible. You can come to Jesus by reading a Christian book, by having God give you a vision, or by somebody else sharing their story of faith with you. Maybe God heals you. Those are all ways that you can come to know him. So there are many ways that people come to Jesus, but Jesus is the only way that people come to heaven. So God is exclusive. It's only through Jesus. But he's inclusive in that he welcomes everyone. Whatever your race, whatever your age, whatever your nationality, whatever your history, Jesus is the way. And he's the truth. The truth is important because the truth corresponds with reality. People will say, well, that's your truth. Let me say this. We don't feel that way about banking, right? You don't go up to a teller and say, well, uh, how much do I have? And the teller will not respond, well, what do you think you have? What do you feel like you have? You know, your truth is your truth. My truth is my truth. You're like, no, my money is my money. I want my money. There is reality here. I wouldn't like it if I went to the doctor and the doctor said, well, I don't know. Some people say that you're sick. Some people say that you're healthy. Who am I to judge? (laughs) Well, you're the doctor. Tell me the truth. If you don't know the truth, you're not dealing with reality. And if you're not dealing with reality, you're not ready for eternity. This is where some people will say, well, just pick whatever religion works for you. No, it doesn't work for God. And it won't work on the day of your death. So it doesn't work. I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. What Jesus is saying is that there is no real, purposeful, meaningful, eternal life apart from me. This is an unparalleled, unprecedented claim in the history of the world. So you're not the source of life. Jesus is. Later, he will tell us that he is the vine, we are the branches. So you want to be healthy, you got to get connected to Jesus. You want to have eternal life, you got to get connected to Jesus. You want to have the life of God and his energy and power flowing through you, you got to get connected to Jesus. He is the life. He is the only way to live life. And everyone who is here and trusts in Jesus can testify and agree with me that Jesus changes everything. And life without him is nothing. 
You see, it's not that eternal life begins the day you die. Eternal life begins the day you meet Jesus. This is about heaven coming to you long before you go to heaven. As we get back into our text, there will be, this will be one of the most important things I'll, I'll ever teach. It's about the Father's heart for you. In the Old Testament, it would refer to God as Father only about 15 times in the entire Old Testament. And almost every time that God is mentioned as a Father in the Old Testament, it was because he's, they're speaking in relationship to the entire nation of Israel. In the history of the world, there is no other religion that refers to God as a loving, personal, affectionate, relational father until Jesus came on the scene. And he talks a lot about God the Father. Jesus alone mentions God as Father some 165 times, 100 of those occurrences in the Gospel of John. And 10 of them are right here. He says, no one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father how can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. What is Jesus talking about? Well, in the Old Testament, there were Ten Commandments. And the first commandment is there is one God. The second is you will worship that God only. Some of the older versions will say make no graven images. God the Father is invisible. He cannot inhabit a human body. But Jesus Christ, the Son of God, enters into human history and takes upon himself a human body as a way to reveal God's desire to save us. But God the Father does not have a physical body. He's not a physical being. Now, sometimes there is human language to describe a part of God that sounds human, you know, but it's a metaphor, like you know, he reaches out his hand to us. But as one in which we cannot make any graven images of, that means that there is no way to symbolize God, the Father. For many of us, how many of you have, have ever heard or thought that the picture of God as an old man? That would be a graven image. And let me say this as well. One of the greatest misconceptions is that God, the Father, is a tired old man. God is not like that. G.K. Chesterton said, For we have sinned and grown old, and our Father is younger than we. What he's saying is, God does not grow old. We grow old because we sin. But because God does not sin, He does not grow old. 
God has all the wisdom of an old man and all the strength of a young man. God is not like you think he is. He does not get weary. So the question many have then is, well, if we're on earth, God is in heaven. He is invisible. He's spiritual. How do we ever get to know him? This is the statement from Philip, Lord, show us the Father. And Jesus said to him, well, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Jesus is a mirror who has come to earth, and he reflects the Father heart of God. What Jesus is saying is, when you hear me say something, I'm telling you what the Father's telling you. When you see me do something, I'm doing for you what the Father asked me to do. When you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Elsewhere, Jesus will say, I and the Father are one. In Genesis, God made us male and female in the image and likeness of God. That language means that we are to mirror. We are to reflect, men and women are to reflect to creation the character of the creator God, our Father. We sin. Jesus comes and he perfectly mirrors the love of the Father and the truth of the Father and the forgiveness of the Father. And then Jesus says something that is one of the greatest oversights in all of Christian teaching. Now we know the Trinity is is one God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Can you think of any decent books on God the Spirit? Sure, there, there are several. Can you think of any decent books on Jesus? Absolutely. Jesus is the subject of more books than any other person in the history of the world. God the Father. What if you were a new Christian? You said, okay, I want to learn more. I want to lean into this, this whole concept of, of God as, as Father. Outside the Bible, where would I turn? There's not a whole lot to choose. It's almost as if we have forgotten about God the Father. You see, God the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin and brings us to an understanding of Jesus. Jesus says his goal is that no one come to the Father except through him. So the goal of salvation is not just to get to Jesus. It is to get to Jesus, to have Jesus bring you to the Father. He's our bridge. Jesus is the only bridge that we can walk across to get to the Father's house. The issue of the Father is incredibly important because Jesus forgives you, but I don't think you can be emotionally healthy and healed up until you have a relationship with God as your Father, especially men, because far too often us men have not had a a great model for what a father is. So for many of us, our view of God tends to be a projection or a rejection of our earthly father. The most dominant person in your life, aside from the Lord, is your dad. You may say, well, I I didn't grow up with a dad. He meant nothing to me. Your dad doesn't have to be present to be the most dominant in your life. So some people really struggle with God as father because they have a wound from their earthly father. The result is the view of the earthly father gets broadcast 
on to God, our Heavenly Father. There are basically six kinds of dad. Did you have the tragic dad? He wasn't there, not because he didn't love you, but because he got cancer and died, or he got in a car wreck and died. Something tragic happened. He wasn't there for you, not because he didn't want to be there for you. How many of you had a terrible dad? He abused you. He abandoned you. He left when you were little. How many of you had a tough dad? This tends to be those that are the, the, the jock or the military one. That's all rules, no relationship, no affection, no encouragement. For some of you, maybe you had the kind, tenderhearted, but weak dad. He couldn't hold a job. He, his behavior was immature always. Maybe everyone loved hanging around him, but no one really respected him. And if you grew up in a household like that, he never engaged with you. He wasn't protective of you. For how many of you, your father was tolerable? He wasn't a great dad, but he wasn't a bad dad. There were good days, there were bad days. You were more blessed than most. And how many of you had a terrific dad? He loved you served you, cared for you, uh, helped you grow up, was affectionate, relational, present, then you had a miracle. Most of our social problems are the result of failed fathers. For the first time in our nation's history, the majority of children born to women 30 and under are born out of wedlock. Tonight, in our nation, the majority of children will go to bed without a father. Jesus comes and says that God is our father. If you've got a father wound and you hear that, you can make your view of God either a projection or a rejection of God. Let me prove it to you by religion in this country. Or you maybe, maybe you won't even think of this as religion, but atheism. It's the belief that there is no God. Atheism is an orphan heart saying, I have no father. I come from nowhere. I report to no one. I'm accountable to no one. I belong to me. I'm my own independent, autonomous person. Agnosticism. Agnosticism teaches that you may have a God out there somewhere, but you don't know him. He doesn't know you. He's not looking for you. You're not looking for him. Uh, agnosticism is, I don't know if I have a father. I don't care if I have a father. I don't want to know my father. My father doesn't want to know me. There's no relationship. That's agnosticism. I'll give you a third one. Deism. That's the view that God exists but he lives so far away and he's uninvolved in our lives. For some people, that's like the dad who left. You know, I have a dad. I don't know where he is. He's far away. He's not involved in my life. That's deism. What about what we believe? Who is the biblical God? Well, according to Jesus in the Bible, he is our heavenly father. 
First, that means that he has sovereignty. That is, he's in charge. And he's all about holiness, which means sin cannot exist in his presence. Well, we're sinners. By nature and by choice, sin affects and infects everything and everyone. That means every decision, every thought, every deed is tainted with sin. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you believe. The Bible says we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So if sin cannot exist where God is, then what about us? Are we doomed? Is this it? There's no help. There's no hope. Well, you need to know about the other side of who the Father is. His love. He loves us so much that he sent his son on a rescue mission for us. That God is personally involved, not just in this world, but in your personal life. And what is his purpose in coming to us in Jesus Christ? To bring us into a father-child relationship to adopt us into his forever family. Now, I can't lead you to the father. The Lord Jesus can. And with the father, there is love. With the father, there is forgiveness. With the father, there is hope and help and healing. Jesus forgives sin and the Father heals hurt, especially the Father wound. Jesus said, and I'm going to repeat this last portion of this this text. Jesus said, no one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. God the Father loves you. He has a father's heart toward you. He wants to unburden you. This chapter began with Jesus saying, do not let your hearts be troubled. The answer is, come to the father. We hope you enjoyed the message. You can connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, our website, bhprez.org and subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay up to date on all our latest content.